Welcome to Layers of Film, the show where mediocre people discuss masterful films the first Monday of each month. I am your host, Austin Killian, joined by my co-host, the son that never left his parents' house, Big T. What's new in your life? It's just oh. it's the movie, because she didn't leave. Anyway. Gotcha. It's supposed to be clever. I know that you left your it parents' was so, house. It was so clever. I was a little confused, but um, <laughs> things are good. I am feeling mediocre, you know? That's the really way to go. Living up to that podcast title or subtitle or whatever it's called. So you're off the meds then? Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> nah, you can be mediocre on meds. You know, your meds get you to mediocre. Mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. good. I uh, leave the country tomorrow for 10, 11 days. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, that's why we're recording so early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, luckily, by the time this airs, I'll be home so nobody can break into my house. Too late. I'm already, I already got tickets over to your house. I don't even know where you live, to be honest. (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah. We'll keep it that way. Wow. You don't want me to ever visit? You're a jerk. It's top secret. I'll pick you up from the airport, put you a blindfold on you, drive you in circles, and then we'll. That's fine. Get here, you know? I'll take it. Are you excited for your trip? Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm ready to travel. Nice, nice, nice. Now, I, re- I wanted to talk about this or whatever, but it's podcast, and I feel like it would be fun because I talked about it on the podcast. You did something since we last spoke, like I did something since the time before that. What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> I got a tattoo. And what is it? I got a tattoo of a sprig of basil sp- on uh, like my tricep area. And, yeah. And do you want to explain why? Yeah, because so my wife and I have gotten really into gardening the past few months or so, and um, I've always I've been wanting a tattoo for a while, and so I decided when we started our garden that I was going to get a tattoo of whatever um, plant we harvested first. So we have some basil that just keeps on basiling. Oh yeah. Um, so I thought it was going to be a tomato, and I thought it might at one point even be some onions because we put the onions in the ground pretty early, oh, but. Yeah. It was basil, and basil's a pretty plant, so... Yeah, and that's a good... Ta- I'm, I, I'm thrilled. A sorry tattoo, I like it. Is it... Right, it's decently big. Like, it covers probably a third of your... Yeah, that's that goes along. That looks bigger, I think, in, in on the camera. No, it's pretty good. How long uh, did it take you to do? I bet it took longer than mine. Um, I think it was, like, in under an hour, I think. Oh, okay, so the same amount of time. I guess... Yeah. Yours, I guess yours, like, there's a lot of detail, but at the same time, it's finer lines. Mine was a yeah. little more filled in, I guess. I don't yeah, know. it's pretty fine lines and cross-hutching and stuff, but I'm yeah. obsessed. I love it. Dude. And now you're not, you know, now you're not going to stop. You're going to keep going, aren't you? Yeah, I already want to get another one. I know. Isn't that the weirdest <laughs> thing? It's true. Every- yeah, my wife was there when I got this tattoo, and as she was, she like, watching me get it, she was like, wait, I really want one. Because she's wanted a tattoo for a while, but... Yeah. She's now on the tattoo train. Um, we were actually looking at like tattoo artists in the mm. places we're traveling to, but I think it's going to be oh. a little too last minute to get anywhere. Like to a go souvenir to tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, that's neat. But I don't, I don't know if it'll work out. But I love it, dude. Yeah, I don't. I am really surprised. I mean, when I went into the, I knew that I wanted to get more than one tattoo at some point, but it's like, oh, maybe I'll change my mind after this. But no, it's just like you look at it and you're like, man, I want I want to see one right here now. And I want to see another one right here mm-hmm. and another one right here. Like, I just want to look at my whole arm and just see tattoos all over it. Yeah. And I um, 
I want to get one for my 31st birthday too. I like my birthday's on a Saturday and I want to get another tattoo on like the Sunday after. But like specifically we'll related to the theme no, of it no, being no, no. okay. I'm I like, what a weird like a <laughs> no, like a birthday present to myself. Oh yeah, yeah okay. Another tattoo. I was like, so. that's not even a milestone marker, like birthday. I don't I, understand. I, no, why. No, just, just a birthday present to myself. Oh okay, okay, okay. I really want to get like a big octopus over my shoulder. Oh my gosh, that would be nuts. Yeah, because I love octopuses. I think they're so sick. Octopi. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Octopus. <laughs> Octopedes. Octopussy. Um, that's a that sounds bad, but that's a James Bond film. <laughs> yeah, it's a James Bond film. Oh, James you Bond even film. knew it. That's cool. Cool, cool, cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want lots of tattoos, but we'll see. Yeah. I already told you well, yeah, I don't know if I said it last time, but I I don't know if it'll be the same arm that I just got this tattoo on, but I'm pretty sure that I'm just gonna sleeve up the whole thing with a mural of all of the nerdy things that I love. Like a mural. Not not just like random things. I just place them wherever. Like I want I want it to be all really cohesive and just super cool looking. Yeah, like cool. graffiti art kind of, you know? Yeah. So speaking of well, your tattoo is Avatar. Did you see they're making an Avatar video game? Uh well there's like yeah. There's one that is like just coming out or something. And then there's one that someone was kind of developing, and I'm not sure if he got picked up to develop like a full thing, but it's more of just like environments and not really a game yet. But have, did you? Yeah, there's like a there's like a simpler one. Yeah, it's like I think it's actually a game that's supposed to span all three seasons um, of Avatar: Last Airbender, but it it doesn't look like it's going to be anything special, which is a huge bummer. Oh, I just saw a TikTok video for it. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but That's probably what I, I saw too. Hey, I would love like a really good Avatar game, but they never they never deliver apparently. So I haven't tried any because the ratings are always so bad. It's like I'm not even yeah, that's ruin too this bad. for me. Yeah, it is what it is. It's okay. I wanted to say because um, we were recording this quite early uh, because of the traveling and all that stuff, and uh, like I'm going to be gone at the end of the month. You're going to be gone up until then, pretty much. And uh, when you messaged me earlier this week, like, we're still recording on Friday. I'm like, oh, yeah, shoot. <laughs> That's right. Whoa. That wasn't my dog. I'm dog sitting. Oh, really? I was going to say, yeah. I, I've never heard a different dog or your dog bark. So that's interesting. No, this is our friend's dog. She's a barker. A barker. Anyway, sorry. Continue. No, 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 you're good. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, I was like caught off guard hardcore. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I need to watch this movie. Well, good thing I followed up with you then. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. That would have been bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could always <laughs> count on you. Are you excited about Barbie and or Oppenheimer coming out? Hey, Madison. Shut the fuck out. What the? <laughs> Did you hear the way that Madison responded response. to you? Huh? She was like, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was like... uh Oh, Tim uh, Scooby Doo. Tim yeah, Allen. Yeah, Tim Allen a little bit. Ed Scooby Doo combined. That's hilarious. Um, are you excited for either one of those movies? Um, I literally have no idea what Oppenheimer is about. And it's like World War Two, like uh, nuclear, like the Oppenheimer, op- the yeah. Manhattan Project or whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah ha- well, I mean, I haven't seen a preview for it at all. No. Um, way. I've seen a ton of Barbie promo yeah. stuff. But um, I also don't know that much about it. 
I would maybe watch it uh, because Greta Gerwig's the director, right? Yeah, Little Women, and she did Little Women, Lady Bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and not that's pretty much the only notable stuff. Yeah, she's, oh really? Okay. She's done like three other things outside of that, and they were pretty small. I think I looked up. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'd probably watch it. I did just see Joyride. I don't know. Stephanie Hsu, hmm. uh Amanda Park, I think, is the other actress. I don't know. Um, it's. It was it was pretty good. It was actually it's it's a comedy, but um, it was surprisingly touching. Made me tear oh, up a little bit. Oh, yeah. it was he, good. Yeah, I, I I just asked because there's so many. I think I'm gonna do this because I see people online saying that they're gonna do this. They're gonna do a double feature. They're gonna watch Barbie mm-hmm. and Oppenheimer back to back. I think I want to do that because I'm actually really interested in seeing both. Um, because I'm just really curious to see what you do with the Barbie movie from a director that made, you know, really um, impactful films, I guess. So <laughs> that'll be yeah. interesting to see that. And then obviously Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's one of my all time favorite directors like him, Quentin Tarantino, you know, whatever, Martin Scorsese, all that stuff. So like I'm just super like I've been waiting for this one. I just anytime, anytime that you get a. Uh, Christopher Nolan film it's like yes I'm in I didn't realize it was Christopher Nolan yeah I like a lot of his stuff too people are saying it's this one's really good so it, like you'll walk away but it's away. just historical fiction no 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 it's not fiction it's uh or I oh. guess well I guess I don't yeah historical f- it's real like it's it's based off of all the events and all that stuff like it's not like some gotcha. alternate history type of thing um Sounds boring. No, I'm boring. Just kidding. <laughs> Apparently, people walk out and they just feel devastated. So I, that's what I'm excited oh, for. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm stoked. Anyway, that's funny. <sighs> what have you been up to? Anything exciting happened uh, for you? Just super stressed out at work, deadlines, all that stuff. Just stressed, like just so stressed. But you know what? It is what it is. I feel like that's every single month when we record now. It's just like, oh, I got another deadline. I'm stressed out. <laughs> but That's horrible. Yeah. Stressed, blessed, and a little bit messed. I'm hoping that it kind of dies down when we when we actually get this thing live, which we're planning on doing next um, in two weeks. So when this <sighs> airs, you'll be a billionaire. Well, no. <laughs> but All of your stock is going to take off. Dude, that would be sweet. That'd be sick, <laughs> but who knows? It's it's. Fun. Do you do you have stock in the company? Yeah, I do. That was a part Ooh, of that fancy. was a part of um, getting hired on was getting some options and stuff. And I'm like wondering, I might reach out at some point to see because I am actually like the work culture needs improvement, and but everything else is good. Like I mean, That's the good. people in general, I I, I enjoy working with, um, and then. The stuff that we're working on is really cool to me. Like this is actually really interesting stuff, and probably the most interesting stuff that I've worked on since I started development. Um, and so I could see myself like as as long as we get the work culture to a good place um, that works for everyone, I can see myself, you know, potentially retiring retiring with this company. Like I'm I'm fine oh, nice. with it, you know. Unless unless this podcast takes off, yeah. <laughs> but. We'll, like and subscribe. We'll see. Uh, anyway, so I I was just been curious um, 
a little bit like of maybe I'll dedicate some of my monthly income or whatever a percentage and see if I can reinvest it in the company for more stock options or something. Cause oh, yeah. if I plan on being here for a long time, that might be worth it. But who knows, man? Look at us being adults, Ugh. getting tattoos, getting having tattoos. a stock portfolio in our thirties, getting tattoos. <laughs> hey, it's almost like it's nothing a, wrong with it. It's not a, it's not a midlife crisis. It's a third life crisis third, third honestly i'm probably gonna only live to 60 so let's just call it a midlife crisis <laughs> oh my god that's terrifying um cool hey speaking of crises speaking of- <laughs> <laughs> we're of course gonna be covering uh oh shoot what the what is this called promising young woman and uh crisis all over the place crises all over the place in that film but before we actually get to the discussion of the film a little bit of housekeeping if you could rate and review the show if you enjoy it please do so on whatever podcast service that you use it helps out a lot with discovery and of course spreading the spreading the good word of layers of film uh, is is also super helpful. If you want to write into the show, you can write into layersoffilmpod at gmail.com to be part of the discussion. If you haven't seen the film, be aware that we will be diving right into spoilers, sometimes right from the beginning of the discussion, usually, actually. Now, with that housekeeping out of the way, Big T, are you ready for another edition of Hollywood? You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Well, Big T, for those that are just joining us for the first time. What is Hollywood You Rather? Hollywood You Rather is the classic game of having to choose one of two options, and both of them are related to movies. One of them is the movie we watched, and the other one is some random movie that I chose. Movies? Sometimes you do TV shows. I don't know where this... And TV shows. <laughs> yeah, That's true. All right, all right. Okay, I, I, I am indeed ready, my friend. Okay, Austin. Hollywood You Rather... Drink coffee with spit in it. Nope. Or eat a pie with poop in it. Ah, oh, the spit. That's bullcrap, dude. I know. What is it? The Help, right? Yeah, it yeah. is the Help. Great film, by the way. Love that film. Um, yeah, it's got to be the spit. Although that definitely made me gag, like while I was watching. Right. The film. I know it was pretty terrible. I couldn't believe it. Here's the thing, though, with the poop. No, you might not know that you're eating poop. Oh, well, you didn't explain that. Well, no, I mean, like in the film, she eats it not knowing that there's I'm, poop in it, right? I'm pretty sure there's a higher probability of getting some kind of disease if you eat a poop pie, Probably. though. <laughs> so I'll, I'll skip you know, that one. Just a little bit of dog poop in your brownies, Austin. Oh, you sure gross. you don't want them? No. What? No. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Definitely the spit, even though it's terrible and horrible <laughs> and disgusting. Oh, it makes me <laughs> gag just thinking about it. All right, next yeah. one, please. Okay. Holly, would you rather... Murder a stripper at your bachelor party. Yes. Or <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> ac- <laughs> or accidentally kill a classmate with a katana. Accidentally kill a classmate. That's not battle royale. Nope. This is not a famous movie. I would say oh, it's okay. kind of a cult classic, depending it? on who you talk to. Super dark times. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I gotta throw some hard ones in there. Ooh, oh man. 
Dude, either way, you're you're me- accidentally though. Let's do accidentally because maybe it'll be a reduced like <laughs> I could get out at some point. Because <laughs> the other one's um, absolutely purposeful and it's terrible. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd want to do the katana one just because you get to use a katana. I mean, the other one you're like <laughs> suffocating a stripper, and it's like yeah, it's not as fun. It, I mean, in the film, it lasted so long, like uncomfortably long. We'll talk about that. Yes, but um. Yeah, just I don't think I would be able to do that. But a katana, you know, if it's sharp, one and done, real well, easy. Yeah, I guess that's the other reason why I would choose the katana because I haven't done that one before, so that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, I'm calling the police. Next, <laughs> next. Um, Kay, Holly, would you rather be arrested for murder at your wedding <laughs> or be arrested for murder on a live stream? Hmm. Should I know this? Is this a pretty well known? You, sh- you should know this, not because it's well known. Uh, oh, I, what? Do you, want me to, do you want me to give you another hint? Yeah, give me one more hint on that one. Okay, you're you're arrested for murder on a live stream after you get hit by a car. After you get hit by a car? Oh, oh yeah. You used the same film like last month for. Um, well, you know what. Surprise. Um, why can I not think of the name, though? I know exactly what you're talking about with the... Uh... Oh, no, I toes. know this. Stop it. Don't Look give me the name. I know it. We just covered it, or we just talked about it last week, or last time. Um, Look at that. That's why I did it, because you still, you got to stay simple sharp, favor. Leave me alone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, probably the... After getting hit by the car, probably the live stream. Yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like the other like, one's way wedding, more devastating. Yeah, yeah. It's like all your friends and family are there, and yeah, that's devastating. It's like at a pivotal moment in your life. Whereas the live stream, it's like pe- people will be able to more people probably see it, but they're not like yeah. physically present. You know. Yeah, and I know that it's me and not the character from the film that we're talking about, but I know that she thrives in prison, so that just makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll also maybe That's thrive. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Holly, would you rather? Dude, straight up, work has been so busy. While we're discussing things, I'll probably try to add in <laughs> for our ending segments because I haven't done any of that. <laughs> That's funny. I may or may not have done that the last one of the previous episodes. Yeah. Oh, I have, yeah, one this i don't know i might end up making them up on the spot i might come up with three we'll see what happens okay um sweet all right well thank you for the game i appreciate it yeah i like the theme song you're two for three in that one oh of guessing that yeah well what yeah what is this cult classic stuff or not even cult classic no one else has heard of this movie except for you no i feel like the people who have watched it really really like it Mm. um I wasn't a huge fan of oh. it. I thought it was fine, but um, it's definitely, it's pretty dark, you know? Oh, I like that. Because, like, the main character is sort of, like, haunted by the fact that, anyway, I don't want to do too many spoilers. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. um, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you could give it a watch if you wanted to. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe we'll cover it. I don't even have a movie picked out for next time. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> hey, You'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Let's get into the discussion. Of course, we're covering Promising Young Woman, as was discussed earlier. Released December 25th, 2020. That's always like, 
That's a pretty gutsy move to release a movie on Christmas Day, and especially this movie. I don't think many people knew about yeah. this. What do you want to see for Christmas, kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, maybe that's for those people that are not going home for the holidays and they're going to go do something fun, watch a movie that's crazy. Uh, the synopsis is a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. Directed and written by... Emerald Fennel, Fennel, composed by Anthony Willis, and cinema, cinematography by Benjamin Kraken, I think, Krakoon, I don't know. The big actors are Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, amongst many others. It had a budget of $10 million. It earned in the box office $18.9 million. So they they uh, they doubled their money, or yeah, whatever. Almost doubled. Almost. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, not. I mean, not like a ton, but you know what? They did. They made money, and that's all you could ask for. You could watch it on Freevee for free, or you could rent or buy it. Freevee, uh, people know about that one. MGM Plus, not so. <laughs> uh, Big T, I know you're just gonna turn it around on me anyway because I haven't seen this film. Is this your second time watching it though? It is. Okay, gotcha. I'm going to Uno reverse. What did you think of this movie, Austin? Yeah, yeah. So, I thought that I was going to hate it. because Really? Because, uh, like, the first five minutes, and I know that this is totally your brand, but, like, any, you know, like, from past films, for the past two years, dude, anytime there's a film where they really, like, they're on the nose, like, really on the nose with the dialogue or something, like that usually bugs me and annoys me and everything is so on the nose in the first 5 minutes like all of it and i'm just like oh my gosh is it just going to be painfully obvious all the time when they're talking like that this guy's supposed to be a douche and this guy's supposed to be a douche and whatever mhm by the end of the film big t this is a masterpiece dude this movie's a masterpiece <laughs> yay Are i'm you so serious? glad to hear that <laughs> what is that what is this? It's so good, right? How come no one's watched this film? <laughs> How come only... I know. They made $18.9 million. What is Because they this? released on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake for sure. And I think also maybe the, Spider-Man the might have come up like that same... The year. pandemic was also raging in 2020. Well, it probably would have been out of, out of theaters by then because people didn't really start freaking out about that until like... Feb- late february march i think like it was kind of no because it was it was it started in 2020 right the movie did oh yeah yeah okay yeah sorry not January. yeah so yeah, it's yeah. like this is a year after the pandemic had yeah happened, that's true that started that's true so yes i wonder if it was like not many people were going to theaters and stuff i don't i don't i don't know but that's true yeah because tenet that was christopher nolan's previous film and he should have made a ton of money but not not as many people as should have, you know, at, yeah, watched it as they should, you know. Yeah. Whatever. My phrasing was terrible there. I'm tired again this this time. <laughs> but um, no, no, no. This uh, this no. I'll yeah. I'll go ahead and say this right right from the get go. Really on the nose in a lot of different different spots, especially the beginning, um, mm-hmm. which I usually hate, and that was going to be one of my criticisms, and then about like. I was kind of stewing on the film for like 10 or 15, 20 minutes, um, just walking around and whatever and thinking like about after it. after you finished it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After finishing it. And uh, like 20 minutes afterwards, I was just like, actually, 
for this, this is the exception. This film, to me, is the exception. It that actually works out beautifully because I hundred percent agree. Because again, I hate it pretty much in any other film, but because this movie, for the overwhelming majority of the film, is it's like through the eyes of Cassandra, Cass, Cassie, whatever. I don't know. I don't know yeah. all the different nicknames, but um, Daisy potentially. I don't even know. She called herself Daisy. <laughs> Candy. Candy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you're seeing it through her eyes, and in every instance that she's, you know, flipping the script on someone, maybe not. We'll talk about that. The murder. I don't even know if she murdered anyone. I have no idea. Um, anyway, it's she's so she's bashing these people over the head with you know, what happened and making sure that there's no confusing um, what she's talking about so that they will finally admit their wrongdoing, right? Mm -hmm. And so with something like this where, you know, a a huge theme of it is that women never get a pass and no one's there for women, no one's there to save women or or help women or believe women or whatever. Like that's, that's, to me, that's like a huge part of the you know, or one of the themes that that this is trying to get bash you over the head with, um, like that's like because they are so on the nose and making it so painfully obvious that these guys are douchebags and that even the nicest ones are still terrible. Like deep down, um, it's the way that she would see it because that's that's the way it is to her. No one is good. Not a single person pretty much is good. She just immediately believes that they're terrible and she's bashing them over the head with their wrongdoing. And this movie in turn, like her, like her character, is bashing us over the head with all of these people's like stupidity, their douchebaggery, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like it fits really well and that actually serves the movie, which is really interesting to me i didn't expect that happening that my mind would be like no that's actually awesome anyway i'll yeah i'll let you go now (laughs) um yeah you know i suggested this movie to watch it knowing that i really liked it the first time that we that i watched it but also knowing that usually when i go back and watch a movie for a second or third time i'm like oh that wasn't as good as the first time i watched it like a simple favor is a really good example we watched it and i was like eh you know what it's not as good as i remember it being right. so i was i kind of went into this thinking like i wonder if it's not going to be as good as i remember but i got to the end of it and i was like god damn this movie's so good <laughs> it's so good like they're so i just feel like the the dialogue is definitely on the nose at parts but mm-hmm. it's so uh crisp to me the dialogue like every single thing that is said and the way it's said has like purpose and has meaning and i really really like movies or books or stories that um are have a main plot that you're kind of following along with but then also they're like setting up this plot underneath that isn't really clear you don't really know what they're doing but you can feel the tension there and then at the very end it kind of like emerges so i really really like when uh you know artists whether they're writers or story like a screenwriters or whatever do create stories that you you think it's one thing and then when you get to the end of it it's like a completely different thing yeah yeah. um 
So I just, yeah, I just, I, there's so many things I want to say about this, but yeah, I just, I loved it. I, it's honestly probably one of my top like five favorite movies, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, just kind of re- to reiterate what I was saying a second ago, it's just like, I don't like in my head, like, I guess, yeah, to really elaborate, like I, like in the first five minutes, those douchebag guys are around the bar. They're saying the douchiest things I've ever heard in my life. I don't think I've ever actually heard anyone speak like that ever. <laughs> I don't yeah. I've never witnessed it. I've never talked like that. I don't understand it. I can't understand how anyone would be like that. I'm sure there's people that exist out there. I haven't. I would never associate with anyone that douchey. <laughs> so, there's that. But um it is it is I don't think that in reality they were talking like that. I think that Personally, I just feel like we really are seeing the the movie through her eyes, through Cass's eyes. And so that's how it's coming out to us because it's her filter that's, you know, pass like their words are passing through her filter and then we get it and they're speaking way douchier than they actually are. Like, that's how I see it. And so to me, it's just like, oh, it's like this crazy exaggerated, but also like hitting you over the head so that you totally understand where Cass is coming from. This is how she sees the world based off of her horrific experience back in um, Forrester or whatever the, I can't remember the name of the yeah. the school. And like, not, not, I guess it's not like, it's horrific for her to have to um, uh, kind of experience that kind of thing. But obviously her friend, you know, uh, Nina got the worst of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's there's all sorts of different trauma that goes on because of that. And so because of that, it's altered her mind to just, in my head, immediately just put this filter on. Everyone sucks. No one means what they say. Everyone has a dark secret. And she tries so hard in Bo Burnham's character, Ryan, so hard to shut that filter off for him. And yet it backfires anyway. Which, yeah, dude, I... I I called that because I'm like, he's too good. He's yeah. too good of a person. There's no way. Like, he's something's going to end up happening. He's going to, you know, whatever. And I thought that that was happening when he, like, led her over to her his apartment or whatever on that first yeah. date. And they were walking. I'm like, oh, is this going to be the disappointing part? Because everyone disappoints her. Every single person, ex- apart from, like, her dad, maybe? Like, yeah. and her mom, I guess. Uh, but... I was devastated and way more devastated. I love Adam Brody. I love Adam Brody and I can't believe it, man. I can't believe that he ended up being a trash bag. Like it's just, it really bums me out, which just real fast. And then I'll stop talking again because I am, I'm really high on this movie actually. Um, which I think is ingenious because when you look at the cast, every single cast member in my eyes is from, a beloved show or a beloved movie where you love their character and like you love that actor, you love that actress, you love them in real life, like you want them so bad uh, or to be friends with them, I mean. And um, and that's why it's extra devastating. I think it's an ingenious casting move because mm-hmm. it's extra devastating because you only know them from happy feelings from other shows and stuff and so when they all disappoint you you're extra devastated like no way dude i love you bo burnham i love you allison brie i love you adam brody why would you do this to me <laughs> you know what max I mean? green uh max greenfield. max greenfield too yeah new girl and stuff um connie Britton. i also really like connie mm. Britton. yeah uh 
But see, okay, so here's the thing that I particularly love about this film yeah. is that you're definitely led to believe you definitely feel like the movie wants you to think like, oh, Bo Burnham's too good to be true, yeah. right? Because like you're, he's getting compared to these super trashy men who, like you said, are explicitly douchebags. However, yeah. when you really look at Bo Burnham's character, he is not a good person from the very, very beginning. Like what I mean by that, not oh, that he's not a good person, but he is engaging in the same exact kind of behavior where he is not respecting Cass's boundaries because he – asks her if she, he wants to if she he if she he asks her if they if she wants to go out with him she says she's not really in a place to do it right now and then he uh kind of breaks that boundary and he pushes multiple times like oh come on let's just go on a date i mean he does it sort of very politely and like sheepishly but yeah. from the very beginning he is not respecting her boundaries you know he shows up at her work multiple times um asking for her to go on a date with him or whatever so i really like that even though compared to a lot of the other men on the screen bo burnham looks like a good guy he's engaging in the same problematic behavior where he's not respecting her boundaries um which I think is really, really insightful to me because I think a main theme to this is like even the nice guys are bad guys, kind of. Like obviously it's yeah, an exaggerated sure. take on it, but or the scene when he walks her back to his house, like that is really that's really manipulative, you know, to be like, oh, what are the chances? Like, no, you should yeah. be forthcoming about this. You should be honest and say, hey, I'm really interested in you. Like, do you want to go up or whatever? Like the way that he interacts with her, even though it's like sort of meant to be cutesy and a lot of times like he does not respect her boundaries that she's trying to set with him yeah that's true i could see that i was i was gonna like that that the the apartment thing or whatever yeah that was i was like oh come on man like dude it's the first date like you don't need to like yeah yeah you should talk about it like if 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 like hey do you want to come back to my place or whatever and if she says no she says no you know whatever but mm -hmm. um i i would say maybe with like the coffee shop or whatever I mean, there's there's words, and then there's also body language. But then again, there is misinterpretation in body language. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert or anything, but in my head, there wasn't. Maybe I'm a terrible person. I don't know. Maybe I'm learning that I'm a terrible person. But there wasn't super anything like or anything. Uh, uh, like her body language, even though she was maybe saying one thing, she's it's the rule is kind of set from the beginning that she is very sarcastic. And so I feel like that leaves room for interpretation on his part where it's like she's smiling a lot and but she's really sarcastic. I don't know if she really is like telling me to, you know, go away or not. I really I'm very confused. Maybe I'll try again another day and see if maybe I'm just misinterpreting or we'll confirm and see who knows. But at the same time, he does do he does do everything like repeatedly. Yeah, he violates the boundaries that she set. And th this is the thing, too, is like, this is what I really, really like about the really overt douchebaggery is like uh, everyone watching is like, OK, yeah, those guys are clearly douchebags. Right. Yeah, yeah. But then you get these insights into um, Bo Burnham's character, into Ryan, where it gets a lot murkier. It's way grayer. Like, OK, is she sending mixed signals? Like, is she interested in this? Like, people can ask that, you know, yeah, but then right. you're engaging in the same kind of rationale that people in the film were experiencing when you t learned that Nina was sexually assaulted, right? They're right. like, oh, well, she was drunk. Was she asking for it? Do we like know what's going on? Like, I really like that this film makes you 
um, kind of puts yourself in that position where you're like, oh, well, yeah, maybe she is sending mixed signals or, or whatever. But like, I just really appreciate that what the way Bo Burnham or the way that Ryan is um, violating her boundaries is obviously a lot less insidious and harmful than the men who are like would literally sexually assault her if she was actually drunk. Right. But he's still disrespecting a boundary. And I think that it's just, I th- I find that fascinating that like literally from the moment we meet Ryan, he is engaging in a lot of the same, not, I don't know if you would say predatory behavior, but the same problematic behavior just to a much lesser degree. But then it turns out like he's just as bad as the rest of them. And I just really, really love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's so, it's very, it, well, so like, I, I can't remember exactly what part uh, that this happens, but kind of going along with what you're saying, there was a word that was said like once in the film, maybe someone said assume or assumption or whatever. I can't remember exactly like, oh, that's an interesting assumption or something. And right when that word popped up, I was like, that's like almost a w- perfect word to just kind of describe like maybe a, a through like a uh, a theme that goes on throughout the film is just people constantly making assumptions, whether it's her character, whether it's all these other people, you know, men making assumptions of what women would want. Right. Which obviously leads to like these terrible, um, you know, sexual, uh, um, sexual assault. assault. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm like, I yeah. can't think of the word. Um, and then Cassandra makes the assumption that Bo is going to take advantage of her. Now, who knows? Maybe he would have, but like she, she's like, it. She got like really in her head, or like she got really upset or whatever when they ended up back at his apartment. Manipulative on his part, but didn't necessarily mean that he was absolutely gonna go through with some terrible thing where he's gonna make her drunk and yeah. then you know violate her and all that stuff. And so she makes that assumption. Maybe not a great example. I don't know. But then she also makes the assumption that all guys want the same thing. Maybe not all guys. I don't know. But that's her filter, right? And then um, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah. And then the dean at some point is like, we get accusations like this all the time. We have to assume they're all fake or something like that. I can't remember. So it's just mm-hmm. like I feel like that's like if if there's anything that you could pull away from this film, I feel like the word assumption is pretty strong in here because all of these terrible things like, Oh, I'm assuming she's always blackout drunk. So she kind of got what was coming to her. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's all messed up. And like that word, yeah. yeah, it could be really damaging. I agree that the idea of uh, making assumptions is really strong throughout this film. I would push back though, that I don't know that Cass is necessarily doing that. I think that Cass has expectations um or she uh has an idea of where she thinks things will go but to me she never really assumes it she always puts people to the test i mean that's the entire point of her notebook and her like uh experiment kind of is she wants to see like are these people actually going to sexual assault me even though i'm telling them i need a cab i need to go home or with Bo, with ryan um she I think she knows like, okay, this is probably going to lead to some sort of thing or whatever, but she gives him the chance. She's like, um, no, let's go up. And then he's like, no, I don't want to. And she then leaves because he told her, I'm not comfortable with you coming up if you're not comfortable coming up, you know? And then with, um, Alison Bree's character and, um, Connie Britton, I can't even remember the characters' names, but, um, Mm. the, the Dean and the friend Madeline or Madison, she doesn't assume anything, right? She goes in there thinking 
you know what, I think I know how this is going to play out, but then she lets it play out and she, uh, you know, the Alison Brie sort of proves to have the same thought process as she did, you know, whenever Nina was assaulted and same with the principal. The only time I actually think we see her assuming is when she's with the lawyer and she's like, you probably don't remember her or you probably did this or whatever. And the lawyer actually bucks those assumptions and is like, I know exactly who you're talking about because it keeps me up at night, you know? Yeah. Um, I I would say that um, the assumption, like she still makes quite a few assumptions, but they're usually based in actual true logic. Whereas like, yeah, I guess they're correct, right? Yeah. They're correct (laughs) assumptions. And like, it's, she's basing it off of things that make sense. Whereas like a guy who has this, this woman that, can't stand up is assuming oh she doesn't want to leave because she's not standing up when it's like well she's blackout like she's drunk dude (laughs) like she can't stand up because she can't physically do it pretty much if she could she would probably you know what i mean so that's like she just has different kinds of assumptions another small example is like my parents got me a suitcase they i'm assuming they want me to leave you know what i mean there's a logic to it but it's a true it's an assumption you know anyway yeah right but yeah, I, I agree with you though. Like uh, there's a difference between the types of assumptions, at least like that are being made. One, her is always based off of like kind of facts and uh, um, experiences that she's actually had that make sense. There's logic behind mm-hmm. it. All these other guys, they just want what they want. And so, or they don't want yeah. to be, um, they don't want to acknowledge the wrongdoing that they've done. So they're going to assume that you are the person that messed yeah. up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Oh, dude. Hey, real quick, because I just have to get this out there. I don't, it's, it's terrible because Max, uh, Joe, Max Greenfield's character, um, garbage bag, but I've, for some reason, I just absolutely love that he, they decided, Hey, you should play this character. Like he's in a sitcom, like a slapstick comedy. You know what I mean? Like everyone else is pretty serious and like, like, you know what? It, like grounded. And he's, he's like, the only, he's like yeah. a douchebag version of Schmidt. Yeah. Like the hand is hanging out and he's like, Ugh, and he like kicks it back into, you know what I mean? It's the weirdest yeah. stuff. I, I love that. They just played him up to be this super comedic character that makes, yeah. you know, yeah, it's Schmidt. It's like, Oh, she's actually yeah. dead. Like what the, yeah, he's Schmidt, but like in a yeah. dark, dark yeah, yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this scene at the very end when he's like looking at the police kind of yeah. over his shoulder and then he just runs away. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> dude. It's so very comedic. Very so good. Love it. Yeah. You know, yeah, there are some really yeah. funny moments in this movie for sure. What do you have like a couple of favorites at all? I feel like I have some um, quotes. I mean, I love for so many different reasons. I love the beginning shots of this movie of all of the cro- close-up crotch shots of the men dancing and they're all wearing like oh, khakis yeah. they're in like business clothes like business attire you know it's not even like explicitly like sexy <laughs> clothes it's yeah. just like business attire or whatever but um i love that because it just inverts a lot of the club scenes that we see in a lot of um male gazy similar movies like there are so many club scenes where you see the strippers or the dancers or the women or you know even the um 
patrons, like you're getting these like really close up shots of their boobs and their butts and their short skirts or whatever. But then we get the inverse of that right at the beginning. And I think it sets such a great tone that like this movie is all about inverting sort of the patriarchal structure of society because throughout this movie we see Cass's Cass um always pushing back against like patriarchy and sexism you know that scene when that guy is yelling at her in the from the car and she takes the golf club like all of a sudden she's being the aggressor in this situation. Like she's being the aggressive one. Um, and I just really, I think that the beginning shot, it's really funny. Cause you're like, I don't want to see this. Like, this is really awkward, mm. but like it's, I just think it also just sets the tone for the movie so well. I feel like I must've missed that or something. I was probably like typing in some stuff or whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> Cause I, I am blanking on that. Um, just a little bit. I I did think it was interesting though. You reminded me of that scene when it is like the <clears throat> like the the bachelor party and she's like gonna get ready to strip or whatever. You know, she's getting ready to entertain them and how, whatever she's gonna do and give, pouring drinks and all that stuff. The slow motion, the shots were very interesting. Like I can't I can't remember the music that was playing, but I also felt like the music that was going on. There was toxic. I don't know if it was still going on, but like mm-hmm. that rendition of toxic was really interesting i liked it yeah the cover of it yeah it was cool but um it was just interesting to me to see all these these men line lined up um on their knees eyes closed mouths wide open and um i just thought that that was actually a really interesting uh way to kind of show the message of like i don't think that women would be able to feel that comfortable doing that a line of women doing that you know what i mean because i feel like it's hitting you over the head throughout the movie that like women have to be very careful because no one's looking out for Mm -hmm. them um and then you have like this line of men that's like they don't care like they they don't have to deal with anything really the worst their worst nightmare is um getting accused accused of something not actually having it happen to them yeah. yeah. And so like they're totally willing to let their guard down, even though there's this person who's just right there that could do anything, could smash a bottle over their head. It doesn't matter. They don't have to worry about it because mm-hmm. even if they get blackout drunk, they're not going to want they're not going to be the ones that have a videotape of someone, you know, having sex with them while they're too drunk to understand what's happening. So, yeah, I just thought that that was really no, cool. that's. Yeah, I I really I'm glad that they sort of have that dialogue of like, this is every man's worst nightmare to be accused of something like this. And she's like, what do you think every woman's nightmare is like? But you see that where the men are able to interact with, I mean, a stranger. She comes as a supposed stripper, but they don't they haven't verified her identity. They don't know who she is. Right. And they are just so able to, like, not be afraid because they live in a male dominated world where like they don't have to be afraid of stuff like that all the time. Dude, you know, you know what I just thought of as well? Cause, um, when, when things kind of go, uh, wrong for her, when she decides to turn down, uh, Ryan and then goes out and then Ryan runs into her at the bar or at the club or whatever it is. And, um, and then the guy, Paul, uh, Jerry's friend, Adam Brody's character, Jerry's friend, Paul, whatever anyway he he's like oh you're that crazy lady you're that psycho lady that which apparently jerry's alive i don't know i thought he was going to be dead for sure but whatever but um the guy from the beginning yeah dude i thought i thought that she i had this whole theory that like she marked off people that she thinks she finally like got them 
she took care of it. Like they're either never going to do anything yeah. bad again or they're, they might be dead. And then he, she would only write their names down if she killed them. I thought that they established <laughs> that rule right at the beginning because she marked some that. people without right names. Yeah. I'm like, oh, because she, she walks away from Jerry's place like kind of bloody. So I'm like, oh, like she just killed him. It's not bloody, though. It's a what jelly it? donut. Did you not see that? She's eating a jelly donut. Uh. <laughs> and I love that scene because it pans. That's it's supposed to make you think it's blood because it's panning up from her legs and you see all this red stuff and then it's dripping down her arm. But then it pans up to her face and she's eating a jelly it was a donut. Jelly donut? I which, thought it was just a muffin. <laughs> I was a paid attention. No, which I think is so funny because I, I mean, talking about assumptions, right? Like well, that does sort of lead you into this. You think she's going to be some sort of like femme fatale who kills all these people, but she's really just doing like an experiment to see yeah. how horrible men really are. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what I was. Yeah. Paul, I got so sidetracked. But um, I don't know, something about Paul. She was walking away, messed up, psycho. Oh, yeah. I really want, like, you know how, like, John Wick, there's, like, a network of assassins and stuff? She kind of alludes that there's 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 tons of us out here. There's a lady that has scissors. I don't know if she was just messing with the guy, but now I kind of want, like, this side, like, uh, you know, side movie or whatever, where it's, yeah. like, this network of, like, women just messing these guys up. Um, <laughs> Honestly, go for it. I support that. Yeah, why not? Although it would be sad to not have her character in it because I love her character so much. But yeah, anyway, she's great. Um, speaking of other like funny moments that you asked about, I love the the dinner scene. Oh yeah, with Bo and yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just so awkward. Like <laughs> it's so good. What is he but also with? very. He's like, the it's sauce like also, is really good. I can't, he yeah, says it's it again. really realistic because <laughs> yeah. he just, he keeps to me like, oh, this sauce is so good. And it's like, yeah. okay, you said that like three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. And you can see, I don't know. I wonder if Carrie was, um, if, if she broke or if, uh, cause she laughs like in the, in the side or whatever, because he did say it again. <laughs> like, cause he doesn't know what else to say. Yeah. It's pretty funny. That is a good moment. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But then it goes into like kind of a sweet moment with her dad. She's like, I can't remember exactly what he said. I should have written it down. But, you know, just saying something like, like, I've missed you. Like, we missed Nina. She was a, a mm-hmm. huge, like, she was like a daughter to us or whatever. Like, and I, I really missed you. So it's like, oh, yeah. And that's another thing that I like about this movie is like, you think not that it's going to have a happy ending, but like, it kind of leads you to believe like, okay, she's going to sort of like figure this out. And there's that whole middle section where it's like she and Ryan are like doing a lot better. And like, she's really like moving on from all of this stuff. And then, I mean, to me, at least you like kind of see that the other shoe is going to drop, you know, but when I first watched this, I I did not expect that ending to be that ending. You know, when she, I did not expect her to go and Try to kill some. I mean, we don't know if she was trying to actually kill Al. She's just but, gonna write um, write the name. I think write. Nina's yeah, name but on. then like she kills him, and then you're like, or he kills her, and you're like, yeah. wait, what the hell? And then it's yeah. like, it kind of has like this lengthy part afterwards where you're like, wait, what's gonna happen next? You know? And then finally, like the police come and arrest the guy or whatever. But yeah. um, I just kind of like this movie that you don't, you kind of have like an inkling for where you think it's going to go. But at least for me, the first time I watched it, that's not how I thought it would have ended. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was, I was totally in shock. I'm like, she's dying and she's not getting yeah. out. And there was, and it's ingenious to me that they made it drag on for so long because mm-hmm. two reasons. I just think that that shock factor 
you know, is always going to get an audience for sure where it's like, oh my gosh, they're still going. Like, this is yeah, horrific. It's really realistic. But then at the same time, it also makes the audience feel like, oh, it's still going. She's going to get out. Like, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nope. She, she's dead. Yeah. That's one thing I think this movie does really well is like play on, like you were saying, assumptions or expectations mm-hmm. that you as the audience, the viewer has. And then it plays with those and you think it's going to be one way and then it never does. Cause I remember yeah. the first time I watched it, I was like waiting for her to, you know, flip over, get out, kill him. And then like, Oh yay, She got revenge on her like friends rapist, but it just drags on and you're like, okay, she's got to get out. Like why else would we be watching this for so long if she's not going to get out? Like, yeah. and then she doesn't get out. <laughs> no. And yeah, I mean, it really, there's so many opportunities, like so much dialogue for her specifically. And she's in like every single scene. That, like, you really, you want her to win so bad. Like, Mm -hmm. you really care about this character, whether she's the flip switch version of her or, like, the, you know, sarcastic version or whatever. Like, you really want her to win. You want her to get exactly what she wants. And then she's just Mm -hmm. dead, which is so, yes, like a subversion of expectations. It's so, it's such a good, um, like tactic in movies, I think, where you're just like, oh, wow, I was totally set for her to win and we were going to finish this film and I was going to be so happy. But the fact that she, she, well, you think that she, uh, you make an assumption, she, you think that she loses and it's like, no way. These guys are just going to get away with it still. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to change, dude. Which, um, you know, they get, they, they give you that, they give you that terrible feeling of like these, these horrible men. And then so smart. She, of course, she's clever enough to set up you know, this whole thing from the beginning or not from the beginning, but like before she goes over to the um, bachelor party and gives the tape to what's his, the phone, like to what's his face, the lawyer and all that stuff sets up those text messages. I love that it ends with, I can't remember. Oh, I should have written down what the, what the last, Oh yeah. The winky face, I think. And then the movie yeah. just cuts. Enjoy the wedding. Enjoy or something the, yeah. and then the winky face. So yeah. good, dude. So good. That's, ex- yeah. that's so Cass. I love Cass. <laughs> I think it's actually signed Casanina. Oh, yeah, Casanina. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. clever. That's so good. Yeah, because I like it because, like, ah, I just love this movie so much. Like, she goes in yeah. to carve Nina's name into Al's body. Yeah. Al breaks out and they're fighting. And then you're like, okay, maybe she's going to kill him. And it's like, she didn't mean to kill him, but it was sort of self-defense. And then she dies and you're like, oh, wait, shit. Like, are these guys yeah. going to get away with it? And you're like, okay, but that's also indicative of society. Like men get away with horrible things all the time. So then you're sort of resigned to another ending. And then you see like the the wedding and you're like oh shit they're gonna get away with it and then I, I don't know i just every step of the way you're at least for me my brain is sort of like filling in the ending and then it doesn't really <laughs> sure yeah. you know and so i just i just love it like <laughs> no it's so good it's so good there was um there was a moment though and uh, i don't know if you caught it or not but i like there was still 10 percent. like i wasn't sure if they were gonna get away with it and i was after this moment that I'm about to say right now, I was still 10% like they still might get away with it. But when the uh, the detectives are talking to her parents, there's a moment where the dad says she always comes back. And I'm like, oh, she's like, she's going to win. Like, like I immediately just had it in my head. Like some, I don't know, either she somehow isn't dead. I don't know how that's possible. But, um, or, you know, she set everything up or whatever. I'm like, something's going to happen. These guys are yeah. going to get their comeuppance. Thank goodness. Um, 
And so that was like a sigh of relief for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I like that you don't know what's going to happen. You know, yes, it's, it's like you, yeah. you know, like, OK, this is going to end well, but I have no idea how it's going to end because she's dead, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I like that you can't really see the ending, even though you kind of know yeah. where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of the detectives, um, that's that's another example of um, kind of that whole assumption thing going on is when the the male detective goes to see Bo's character and um, Ryan, right, and is just kind of talking, like giving Bo the benefit of the doubt, asking him what he knows about her, and then saying like, and Bo kind of he like or Ryan barely says something that might make it sound like she was really struggling. I guess the parents kind of said something or the mom said that she was struggling for such a long time. And then the mm-hmm. detective makes an assumption. It's like, she probably would have wanted to hurt herself, huh? Like, or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, Oh my gosh, dude, you just immediately like, you got that idea in your head and now you're, you're going to run with that. And <laughs> yeah, like the police did nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was actually bummed out. because All they did was to like show up. <laughs> yeah, he did. I was, I started writing a note. Because I'm like, oh, maybe the detectives are the only ones that are actually going to see people. Because he seemed a little like dubious, um, a yeah. little bit at the beginning, and then when he started saying that, I was like, I, I started pressing delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Never mind, <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah, but I also like it because it's it's realistic, you know. Like, yeah, right. Cops usually don't care a lot about sexual assault cases, and they. Yeah. I mean, it's very realistic. That's what I like about this is that it's not like, oh, and then the cops come in and solve it or like, oh, and then her big strong boyfriend asks for forgiveness and like redeems himself or whatever. It's like, no, all this shit happens. She gets murdered. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, they get away with it for a while and like they would have gotten away with it if she wasn't so clever. Yeah. Um, it's all very realistic, you know, like that's what happens a lot of times. Like it's not very happy endings for a lot of people. You know what? I had it made me think of something too, and it's kind of something that I think about. You know, like outside of the movie, like I've I've thought about this before, especially having uh, two girls that I'm you know trying to raise, <laughs> and uh, it's something that's on my mind. Like, just I really want them to be comfortable and happy in life, and um, and supportive of everyone around them. And um, like you know, any time that like. My my oldest daughter Callie, if she's if she's like, oh my my picture's better than Presley's, you know. I'm just like, hey, eh, don't do that. Like, you guys both have wonderful pictures. Like, and Presley's like way younger than you. Like, obviously the details not going to be quite there. So, like, don't but don't tell her that. Like, she's doing really good, you know, for her age and all that stuff. Like, I'm like I'm trying to put that in there, and so kind of having that idea in mind while I say what I'm about to say, which I don't know might 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 be annoying to hear but i feel like if you think about it it's kind of accurate and i don't know yeah maybe maybe i'm not speaking from a place where it makes sense for me to talk on it but like i've said it a couple of times like i feel like a, a big part of this movie at least for me what i was getting out of it was that no one's there for women and you see that with the dean you see that mm-hmm. like with madison not even women are there for women the men aren't there for women. The detective should have been there. The only the only man, I guess, the, there's two men, the lawyer and her dad. Those are like the two men that were like, you know, trying their best to like give her the benefit of the doubt, try to make her just happy. Um, and, and the other guy, um, the lawyer or whatever. So that's the dad. And then the lawyer, like, obviously he was, you know, begging for forgiveness. And he was the only guy 
that actually admitted to his wrongdoing without the help of Cass. You know, that's an mm-hmm. interesting thing to make a note of. But the dean doesn't believe her. Madison, you know, didn't believe her. Um, they both only like admit to their wrongdoings once it's been shoved into their face what they did, and there's yeah. no denying it at that point. But also mm-hmm. a small thing that you could miss if you're not paying attention, which I almost missed, is when the dean is like getting hysterical or whatever, you know, about her daughter potentially being in major danger, which is totally understandable. Um, the receptionist outside is smiling. She's she's happy that she's upset. And obviously they must have like a, you know, some kind of like they're, you know, they butt heads or whatever. Like that's kind of a subtle little thing to tell you their kind of work relationship. But like even that small thing, it just shows me like even the women aren't there for women. And um, but on the flip side, and this this is where it might trigger some people, at least I really think that it's heavily um, implied or whatever. Men are always there for men. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. And so like, and you could see that like it's, it's something I'm not saying it's, 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 it's right, but, and we've talked about it in previous episodes for different things like work, like the workplace, a, a lot of different work industries, like the majority of the workers are men, right? For a lot of the different like companies and, 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 um, corporations, whatever. And, um, to me, part of that, I'm not saying all of it, part of it is because men are always there for men and they will always build each other for up. Sure. And there are men that are trying to be there for women and trying to get as many women as they as they can or whatever. And then there's women that are also trying to get other women into the, these companies and stuff like that. But at the same time, there are a lot of examples where women are tearing each other down so they can get ahead of that other woman because they've been working, quote unquote, so hard to get there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tear you down to get up to that top, which could lead back. And I'm sure, you know, you could talk about it or whatever, um, which could lead back to just kind of maybe like a uh, just kind of an established uh, like environment of where men maybe create that kind of uh, competition. Mm Right. For so sure. you, you could talk about that. But there is something undeniable where about the fact that men are always there for men and women. <laughs> the phrasing probably sounds terrible, but need to do a better job at being there for women and men need to do a better job at being there for women. That's that's part yeah. of what I got from this movie. I'm going to get on ta- a, a big T soapbox. Um, here for a second. I need to make a theme song for I, that. <laughs> big big D soapbox. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're hitting on is is patriarchy, where sure. men have created this system where if women try to support other women, both of the women are harmed by it. And mm-hmm. if men try to support women, the man and the woman are harmed by it. And men benefit from covering the backs of other men. So I think that Mm. particularly for the, for the women, um, we see this with, uh, Alison Bree's character where when Cass confronts her, Alison Bree specifically says, I don't make the rules, which is true. She doesn't make the rules, you know, and you can tell that she's coming from a place of 
um, I don't know if I would say fear, but she's coming from a place of less power where she's yeah. acknowledging like, I am not the person that holds any power here and I'm just going to get dragged down in this mess if I try to stand with Nina or do whatever, you know? Yeah, sure. Whereas with the men, when Joe finds out that Al killed the stripper, yeah. before Al even tells Joe the story, Joe is like, this isn't your fault. It was an accident. Like, yeah. we're going to take care of this, you know? And so I think that, like, there are definitely moments when women are pulling the ladder up behind them or women don't support other women. But the reason that that so frequently happens is because of patriarchal structures. Like, I think that, I mean, men have created a society where those women supporting women is uh, harmful or punished in some way for both of those women. So women often are not supporting other women out of fear whereas men are supporting other men out of this like perverted sense of loyalty or you know like the good old boys club and so i i think that it's really important always you know to like acknowledge the systems of power and oppression in in play um but i just really like that allison's allison breeze character mentions that she's like i don't i don't make the rules which is which is true she doesn't make the rules you know she's playing in a man's world and what's what's interesting about Madison Allison Bree's character is even when she you know kind of comes around um, I guess and and provides that phone so that she can have her proof to finally get Al um, and whoever was involved Ryan included <laughs> even then like you you would imagine that maybe that would create some kind of bond that they're working together but even then even though she's helping her which is good. She still tells her to never contact her again. And it's just like, I don't mm-hmm. know. For some reason, it's just interesting to me that, like, there's a hatred of, like, why would you make me do something for you? <laughs> or, like, why would you make me, like, have to stand up to someone? And it's so odd to me. Like, for, yeah, that was just odd to me. I'm just like, why Why are you so upset with her? It's like, just. I think it's realistic, though. Yeah, I guess. You know, because she's afraid of punishment she's afraid of her name getting dragged into all of this like she has been bred into her because of you know patriarchy that she is going to be punished if she takes a certain action whereas men are afraid that they're going to be kind of be punished because of the actions they've taken you know like she knows that I mean, she saw how Nina's name got dragged through the mud like women know that I mean this happens in real life when the Supreme Court justices and they were accused of sexual assault and the women come forward with it. The women are dragged through the mud. They're told, you know, it, it's blamed on them or they were drinking too much or they were, you know, they're slut shamed or whatever. Like women right. know how reactive and how harmful the patriarchy is. So, of course, Alison Bree's character wants to protect herself like she wants to help, but she doesn't want to get involved and put herself in the crosshairs yeah. because she knows that. It's an uphill battle from there. Well, so then, I think it's understandable. And then on top of that, I think, like, there's that, and then there's also she doesn't want to keep reliving this terrible thing that she witnessed or, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's that, a lot of PTSD and trauma there. Yeah, for sure. And especially, like, there's a lot of guilt too, right? So mm-hmm. she doesn't want to have to feel that way, which is a selfish thing. Um, it's natural. It's normal. Of course, you don't want to feel guilty all the time. But... um I don't know. I don't know. It was just interesting. Yeah. 
One thing that I think is so fascinating about this movie, and I think the more you watch it, the more you kind of catch on to this theme, is how even the douchebaggiest of characters acknowledge the oppression that women face. Like that second guy that we see cast sort of like luring in he's even like why do women wear makeup like you shouldn't have to do that or whatever like it's so (laughs) messed up that society makes you do that like or even the first guy jerry that tries to sexually assault her he's like defending his co-worker and being like oh yeah we shouldn't be in places where she can't be because it's not fair for her business um and i think that we see throughout the film that a lot of these characters who were made to see them as horrible people will acknowledge how the system is unfair and will acknowledge how problematic the system is but then they never take accountability for their own individual actions like you see a lot of people sort of wash their hands of it and be like well i can't do anything about this in you know alice and Bree's case but then you see other people who don't even realize their own individual actions are so harmful and that's one thing i think that's really really important to take away from this film is like you can acknowledge that a system is unjust but if you aren't proactively taking steps to make sure you're not uh, complicit in that injustice then you're part of the problem and we see that with like the dean for example you know she's like talking about how like unfair everything is or whatever but then she's like well we just have to assume that like the men are innocent it's like that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who had credible proof of being sexually assaulted and you just brushed it under the rug. Like that is an individual action that you took that caused direct harm to someone. Yeah. It's, it's so uh, what's annoying about that scene in particular is the fact that, and, and a lot of the scenes that like no one remembered her name, (laughs) Nina's name, yeah, which is really frustrating. But at the same time, like, I guess maybe the dean didn't. She there's a potential that she didn't know um, what ended up happening with Nina. Obviously, she died. I don't know if they said that she killed herself, or I'm assuming she did. I would imagine. Yeah, I think it was suicide. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm not. I'm not going to ruin what she says. Like, I'm not going to ruin a guy's life just because of an accusation. It's like, well, he ruined this one chick's life, and then she killed herself, and. The life is completely gone now. And so that's better. That's the better alternative <laughs> mm-hmm. than really following through and making sure that this guy is caught if it is true. Yeah. Yeah. The men are always assumed to be, you know, free of blame. And then the women are always assumed like, oh, it's her fault. You know, she was drinking too much. Her shirt, her skirt was too short. She, right. you know, slept, sleeps around with a lot of people. Like, so you definitely see this like juxtaposition between how women are sort of assumed to be at fault and men are assumed to not be at fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it's really harmful. We see it in this. It's really harmful. I'm going to say something that's completely off topic of what we were just talking about. Not off topic, but it it has to do with the movie. But when she deletes her like friend finder app, I just made a little note. Like I really wish that all social media 
you could find the delete account button that easy. <laughs> okay, I thought the same exact thing. I was like, the, the most unrealistic thing about this movie was how easy it was for her to delete her social media profile. Yeah, like you have to go through so many hoops, and by the time you finally find the button, you'd press the button, but then you still have to like confirm it on your email or something. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, dude! And you then have to wait twenty four hours, and she, she could just delete it in the in the menu. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, I wish that app was real. But anyway, um, sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Um, another thing that I really like is Cass and Ryan go on a date and they're having a really good time, you know? Yeah. Ryan then sort of like tricks her into coming over to his apartment and she's really upset by that. She kicks the mailbox over. You can see she's like really frustrated because yeah. she was like having a good time and then he really didn't... Um, you know, he was kind of a douchebag there. But then she goes back and asks him for a second date. Yeah. Like, I guess my question is, why do you feel like she went back for a second date? Was it like, was there a grand plan? Did she actually just like like him? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think she liked him. And she the way that I interpret it is she probably went home and thought, ah, you know what? My filter was probably getting in the way. And I probably interpreted that in a different way than he meant, although it's kind of obvious. But like, I should I should give him another chance because I was I was kind of in you know my flip switch mode where it's like I was I was seeing the worst in that moment when potentially he was, you know, because he he didn't he was hoping that it would happen. He didn't push for it hardcore to happen. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I totally messed up. Like he immediately like walks it back. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, please forgive me, blah, blah, blah. Who knows if there was an ulterior motive that he would be able to charm her off and then maybe they would go up anyway. But he's like, mm -hmm. he didn't push it like other people did, like Adam Brody's character, like um yeah. whatever. So uh I th I think that it was her just thinking like I probably overreacted and I should not saying that I agree with it, but that's that's what I feel like happened in her yeah. head. Yeah, I I'm so hesitant to like agree whole whole wholly with that because she didn't overreact. Her reaction was spot on. He was a bad guy. Yeah, you know. I'm saying like, she thought that she overreacted. Maybe gotcha. not that yeah, she yeah. did, but that she thought she did. Okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Um, but yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, I for I for me, I think it's so interesting because. And sort of like a thing in society as well is like he sort of tricks her into coming over to his apartment. Yeah. She says no. And then he respects that. Right. He's like, I don't want you to come up if you're not comfortable. And then she's obviously, like you said, kind of like seeing this as like a, her uh, flip switches going off or whatever. Right. But she goes back for a second date. And to me, it's like the bar is so low. Like she is so used to men not respecting her wishes that this man respects her wishes after being really um, sneaky about having her come over, you know, which is really problematic in its own way. But like the bar is so low and you see that so many times, like women will talk about this on like social media or whatever, how, um, I don't know. There was like this trend a while ago um, on TikTok where husbands would, be like making these videos about them, like taking care of their children. Like, oh, I went and cleaned the house up while my wife did yoga or whatever, you know? And then all of the comments would be like, oh my God, you're such a good husband. Like you love your wife so much. Like, look at you taking care of the kids. And then people would respond and be like, he's literally just fucking being a dad. 
Like he's not doing anything special here. Like he's doing things that his wife does on a daily basis, but the bar is so low for men that like he's praised as being this excellent husband when he's like literally just being a father, you know? And I just feel like that's that interaction there to me is really playing off of that idea that like men are the bar is so low for men like it is on the floor and so when you have a man who like pushes your boundaries but then like apologizes that he pushes your boundaries like that's seen as a green flag you know when in reality like that shouldn't be seen as a green flag because he didn't respect your boundaries he tried to trick you into something you know so i mean maybe i'm just reading into it too much but i really like that we see that sort of play out there yeah it's like it's it's just kind of like a relativity thing it's just like or I don't know, like relatively he's way better than all the other guys. And so probably in her head, it's just like, he's a really good guy. Like I, I, he didn't actually really do the same things that all the other, these other guys do. I will give him another shot. And uh, mm-hmm. it's probably all in my head, you know? Yeah. But it's very relative, right? Cause in yeah, reality, yeah. like he's not a good person. Like Right. And you'd see how terrible of a person he is later on. Right. Not as bad as Al, but still really bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we... And this... Yeah, I think another really big thing here is, like, this idea of redemption, where um, these people are confronted with something in their past that they either know was wrong or have some sort of, like, gut feeling that something bad sort of happened, you know? And virtually all of these people, except for the lawyer, double down. And they try mm-hmm. to defend themselves and they try to justify their, um, like points of view or their decisions or whatever. Like the moment that, um, Cass shows Ryan the video of the sexual assault, Ryan is concerned about himself. He's like, who are you going to tell? I can't believe that I'm a different person. You have to forgive me. But he doesn't really mourn for Nina. He doesn't really no. reflect on how problematic his own behavior was. He's immediately in self-preservation mode, which is understandable because humans, you know, seek self-preservation. But it's really um, contrasted when you see the lawyer and she's like, your day of reckoning has come. And he's like, yeah, I, I fucked up really bad. Like, he's not concerned about self-preservation because he knows what he did was wrong. And so I really like that in almost all of the other characters, um, Cass gives them the opportunity to like atone for their sins, essentially, you know, to like own up to the fact that they really messed up when it came to Nina's sexual assault. Yeah. But all of the people are just immediately like, I'm not a bad person. It's not my fault. I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. Like none of them own up to it. And I think that that's also very representational of like society as a whole where, um, like we need to have humility and take accountability for our actions. And in Cass's case, like the only person she doesn't punish is the lawyer because right. he, he does show that he's chained and changed and that he's, you know, uh, remorseful about what he did. And then he escapes. I don't know what the guy was going to do, like break his legs or something. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I have no idea. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, it's not, it shouldn't be about self-preservation. It should be about justice. Um, but yeah. I just, I don't know. I like that we see that everyone's so self-obsessed with self-preservation. Yeah. So obsessed with self-preservation that they're willing to kill someone, <laughs> which is yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. And as he's killing her, he's it's, yelling yeah, at her. Yeah, this your is your fault. fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. As he's killing her, you know, it's like, yeah, like it's how weird. twisted is that? That like, yeah. He's literally killing her and blaming her death on her. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's ridiculous. I wanted to talk about that lawyer scene though a little bit because I thought it was really cool to see she like she always has it all figured out, everything perfectly phrased in her head. She knows exactly how she's going to say yeah. it. And she was probably getting ready to say, you know, kind of her lines and all that stuff that she was excited to talk about with the the lawyer and then the second he actually says Nina's name, you see her face immediately go to a face that you'll never see throughout the rest of the film or even before yeah. that film, confused. She's like, I don't know where to go because this never happens. Either they're in, She wasn't expecting it. They're always in fight or flight mode. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there's an in-between of own up to it mode. <laughs> I've never encountered this before. I don't know what to do. And she's really like... Um, she's kind of scared because like he's actually i don't know like unhinged or whatever like he's really in a he's in a dark place and he's like he like he's unpredictable i feel like you could see because when he like rushes at her to like go to like on his knees like basically beg for her forgiveness she's she like jumps back a little bit like uh like this guy actually Mm -hmm. might like kill me right now i don't know what's going on like or maybe not kill (laughs) me but like he's gonna do something super weird and i don't know what's going on um yeah and it's just really interesting and also another thing to talk about that scene i love that he that she forgives him and he still apologizes anyway which is mm. a really cool small little thing to put in there. I agree. Because like the forgiveness was good and then the fact that he keeps apologizing anyway really tells me that he's he's not just trying to get his um like like a good feeling like uh like he can finally breathe again. He really like even though she forgave him he probably still doesn't even really believe that he's he's been forgiven and he needs to keep going mm-hmm. anyway, which shows real remorse. Yeah. I agree. He's. It's not about absolving his own guilt. Yeah. It's about doing what's right for like future victims, you know. And yeah. we see that when he's the one that sort of sends out the text messages and does all the stuff for her. Um, and I think you can compare that really well to the scene when Ryan is confronted with the video, and he's like, J- J- "Cass, you have to forgive me." You know. Yeah. He's immediately. He wants that forgiveness. He hasn't done anything to deserve it. He doesn't really care about the fact he just wants to be forgiven and i i really really like that there's this um yeah juxtaposition between those two like the lawyer doesn't want the forgiveness he i mean he wants it obviously but it's not about him feeling better it's about him doing what's right yeah i i also wanted to say something that's that's um off of what we're talking about but um gail uh that that character she's a trans woman correct uh laverne cox yeah laverne cox okay So in real life, trans woman, I, they, so this is, I don't know, it was actually, it was refreshing and cool to me. And I feel like this kind of thing needs to happen a little bit more. Um, they just, they just don't address that, which to me is, it's cool. I don't know. It's like, it's just normal. We don't need to address it's it. It's just yeah. a thing. This is, this is a trans woman working in a coffee shop. This, they're not making a huge point about yep. it. I mean, obviously the movie's not about her, so like they don't really need yeah. to make a huge point about it. If they did, it would probably throw me off and be like, okay, like that's not the point of this movie though, right? I don't know. You're yeah. just throwing that in there so you can make a point or something. Yeah, she's just existing as a woman. And she's just it, existing you know? as a woman in a coffee shop. And so I, I don't know. That's just a small thing that I definitely wanted to say before – you know, we, I'm not saying that we're closing up, but like before we ended the podcast, because I just thought it was yeah. a really refreshing thing that you don't really see in a lot of movies or TV shows. Maybe nowadays 
there's an example, but I can't think of it right now. But there was something like a movie or a show that I watched a while ago that I was like, oh, that was refreshing. Like they didn't even they just mm-hmm. it's just life. <laughs> it's just this is yep. the way we're living. <laughs> and I like it. You know? Yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. I, I, I appreciate that as well. Um, it, one thing I mean, I love so many things about this movie, but <laughs> I love poetic justice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and we see that all throughout this. You know, it's like the woman who didn't believe Nina was sexually assaulted because she was drunk, like gets drunk and thinks she's sexual, sexually assaulted. Right. Or though the, um, the Dean who says that, you know, you have to make believe that you have to believe that all men are innocent. Um, all of a sudden doesn't believe that when her daughter is with a bunch of strange men, you know? So like, um, or even like Cass dressing up as a, sexy doctor um joe calls her a joe calls her a nurse but it's never clarified if she's a nurse or a doctor i think that the fact that joe calls her a nurse is also indicative of like patriarchy but she's wearing that outfit and she refers to the fact that she's always wanted to be a doctor so she i think is dressed up as a doctor but she's referred to as a nurse which i think is interesting but um she dresses up as like a sexy doctor when she wanted to be like a real doctor. That feels very like poetic to me as well. Mm, yeah. I didn't um, think about that. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I just really, really like all this like poetic justice and these different types of, um, like poetic scenes that you see. I just think it really shows that the writer like put a lot of like heart into the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just saw one of my notes. And the way that it's phrased is really bad. We already talked about the whole stuff, like the 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 murder at the very end. But <laughs> I, I wrote, I should have thought about this more. This could be very incriminating. I don't know. I appreciate how long they took on the suffocating. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Does not sound very good. But we already yeah. talked about that. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. Very good. But sorry, I just, um, I was looking through some of my notes. And I saw that. I was like, oh, geez. I that's should, funny. I should rewrite that. <laughs> Um, what did you think of the music? I know we sort of talked about it a little bit, but I, I know you're a big music person. What did you think of the music? Yeah, I feel like, um, like music can really stand out sometimes and then music can be really awful. And then music could be something that you don't really think about too much in the movie, which is also, I think a good sign because it's not... It just fits, you know, it fits. But there was a couple of moments in this film that it stood out. The toxic um, cover was mm-hmm. one of them. That stuff is usually, like, when they do covers of songs, that's usually kind of cringy to me. But the nature of this film kind of gets a pass, I guess. I don't know, because it just, like, works. Sort of like... Yeah, I agree. It's like, agree. it's not the same as Ready or Not, but you know what I mean? It's just, like, it's a little campy, but, like, it's perfectly serving what the movie's But it doing. serves the purpose, yeah. Exactly. So, um and and that cover is actually it was really cool. It was really um, unsettling, and I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Me I, too. And then when she's watching the video, uh, I can't remember. There's some kind of like acapella type of stuff going on in the background that was unsettling, and but like really smooth like vocals and stuff. And it was really interesting and um, kind of put you in. Yeah, it really put you in that zone of like, oh man, like this is probably horrific to watch. And then obviously Ryan's voice shows up and you're like, oh, like, damn it. No, you're supposed to be the one. But um, he, you're supposed to be a nice guy. You're supposed to be the nice guy that's slightly that's sneaky, <laughs> apparently. But um, 
those are the only really two moments that I that the music stood out to me and that I really enjoyed it. All the other times, it just kind of faded in there. <laughs> yeah. The the first song that was showing up, I was like, oh, like I don't know, this is gonna be a really cheesy movie, isn't it? And I was like, I don't, I can't remember the song that they the had boys at the very song beginning. Yeah, at the very very beginning. At the very very beginning, yeah. I was like, yeah. Ah. Like this isn't putting yeah. me in the mood, but at the same time, maybe after, like, if I watched it again, I would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this makes sense now." I don't know. Yeah, I was making assumptions. They do a, they do a cover of <laughs> "It's Raining Men" too, as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I kind of I was trying to catch on to that, but then I got distracted by writing something else out. But I also, I guess, now that I think about it, that Paris Hilton music video that they basically did, whatever that was, <laughs> that montage. <laughs> um, that was ridiculous. That's that made me cringe yeah. a little bit because like watching people b- sing to a song and dance and all that stuff makes me cringe. Just, I don't know why. That's just the way I work. But well, it'll be so awkward in real life, right? Which is which. Speaking on that, if you did you watch the people in the background while they were in the pharmacy singing and stuff? There's like one guy behind like one of the aisles and he's just staring at them with the most like disgusted face. <laughs> it was yeah. so good. The, and the cashier, uh, she's like. Just like yeah. got a huge scowl because yeah. <laughs> Brian is like popping the chips everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. That scene, it was like it was almost cringy, but then all the stuff in the background happening made it really funny. So yeah. it, it worked. It was out. like very realistic. Yeah, yeah. I think though that serves the purpose of the movie, yeah. right? Where it's like she, you're seeing it through Cass's lens. Mm, yeah. Like she thinks it's this like fun, cute thing, but like everyone around her is like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I really liked the music in this. I don't normally notice music, but I, I especially um, the Toxic cover, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It was like so well done, I thought. Yeah, it worked really well for the scene, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was a slow... They really... Yeah, there's there's some really expertly like slowed down moments where they mm-hmm. they let you sit with it. The suffocating, the brilliantly... The suffocating part that I need to rewrite in my notes. And then... <laughs> Um, and then that, like the walking over to the bachelor party, I really like the lingering. Um, there's a specific, like, there's a wide shot where she's on her bed watching like the slideshow in the dark, and like it goes, you know, it's bright, and then it goes dark, and you can't see her anymore, and all that stuff, and it just it goes on for like a whole minute basically, mm-hmm. or two minutes, I don't know, and then she finally gets onto the the friend app to find Al um, and all that stuff, yeah. and I I just really love that that shot but i liked how they really made you sit with it too just like because things were going good and she was leaving everything behind and then she hears al's name and it's like ooh, yeah or maybe things weren't actually yeah when did that happen maybe that was before things were going really well i can't remember exactly but it just it put her in a zone for sure and it like every like it was kind of a a a, a halt like a, a hard halt like a hard stop at, the, at whatever the yeah, feeling was at that moment. PTSD, right? It's trauma that she's still yeah, dealing yeah, with. Yeah. yeah. I loved the camera, the cinematography. Like, yeah. I love the slow zooms when Cass and uh, Madison or Allison Bree's character are talking. Mm. And, like, they're sort of, it's like light and fun. And then, like, Cass makes it really serious. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you get these, like, really slow, dramatic zooms. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I thought the cinematography was just, like, really, really good in this movie. Her acting, dude. Did she? Did she win any awards? Did she win all the awards? Like, what happened with the awards? With this, like, she should have won like twelve thousand awards for this movie, dude. <laughs> yeah, she's phenomenal in this movie. It's incredible. Like both, because there's like, 
the sarcastic, quirky cast, and then there's like the dead behind the eyes cast. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like there's like there's a few different kinds of kinds of casts that you're exposed to in this film, and every single one of them are so like riveting to me. I don't know. Yeah, and they're just really they have a lot of depth to them. Yeah, it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that kind of plays on the title of this movie promising young woman you know because that's yeah uh, that's kind of like what a lot of people say when you know uh like a young woman dies or you know right like dies by suicide or you know doesn't meet the potential that people thought that they were gonna meet and obviously it's a reference to nina who was a promising young woman and then she dies by suicide yeah but i also think it's a reference to Cass, where you see that when the dad's like we really missed you you know like she had all this potential too and she was she lost all of that because of this sexual assault that didn't even happen to her, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I think it really reveals how sexual assault and trauma in general doesn't just impact the person that it, you know, directly affects. It has this um, secondary and tertiary effect on people where uh, just it's a ripple effect. And it, I mean, no, a lot of people experience PTSD and trauma from these things. And yeah. um, Nina was a promising young woman. Cass was a promising young woman. Like how many promising young women are there or were there that no longer can meet their potential because of all these horrible things. That adds like an interesting dynamic to my whole thing that I was saying earlier about women not being there for women. But there are, I guess, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's examples where, you know, maybe there's like larger groups and stuff that are, that are there for each other. But I feel like when, when you see an example of women being there for women, it's in a very controlled, small little group of one or like two women or something like that. Like you see, like specifically as the example in this film, it's just Cass and Nina that are loyal to each other. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not a large group of women being loyal to each other. It's just, you know, one pair of people that, I mean, who knows how loyal Nina was to her or whatever, but, like, Cass is so loyal that she dedicates, like, the rest of her life to messing people up who could potentially do the same thing that was what was happened to, what happened to Nina. So I just, I don't know. That was just, like, an interesting, like, added kind of dynamic to what I was talking about. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just, there are a few other things I just want to point out that I really liked about this movie. Um, I think it's really interesting at the very end when the police officer confronts Ryan and asks, like, do you know where she was? Her family said it was a work trip or whatever, and he lies. Like, he's covering for himself, but he's also covering for the boys, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you just, like, see him fall into this role where he's told himself, like, oh, I'm not a bad guy, I'm a good guy. But, like, when push comes to shove, he's going to, like, protect himself and his own. The boys? And I think that that is... Sorry, well, the boys that he hasn't even, like, really been in touch with. Yeah, and he admits that they're not great people, and it's like, why yeah. are they in your life, then, if they're not good people, you know? Why are you protecting And I think it's probably more out of self-preservation, because yeah, he yeah. knows, like, if Nina's gone and they don't ask questions, then the video's not going to get out, but... True, true, true. Um, but you, he just, like, falls right into that. He has no spine. He has no sense of, like, moral, um, no moral compass or whatever. Um, also, the scene when she's going out with uh, Mark, Jerry's friend. I can't remember what his name was. The guy from Veep. Um, yeah. But uh, Paul. He's, Paul. Sorry. Paul. Paul. I knew it was a one-syllable name. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Paul is, like, more than happy to take what – 
him he thinks Cass is drunk and he's more than happy to like take advantage of her and then Ryan walks by and Paul apologizes to Ryan you know yeah. oh I didn't know the woman was taken like and I think that's also indicative of society at large where it's yeah. like women are seen as taken not yeah, like yeah. property in the in the sense of like ownership but it's like sure. he's not sorry that he was about to sexually assault a woman he's sorry that he was like stepping on and in on another man's territory you know which is like really accurate like a lot of people Deep a lot work. of women say that where it's like when they're getting hit on at the bar by a guy that they don't like they have to make up a story like oh i have a boyfriend i'm married i'm engaged or whatever and then the guy will back off you know yeah, yeah, right. it's like women can't be respected on their own they have to have mm. a man you know sure, like yeah. to sort of protect them or whatever or they like men don't respect women, but men respect other men. Yeah. Like it's really messed up. And then um, the last thing I wanted to say was Forest College. I don't know if you saw this, but like they had a lot of marketing that was about your future. I think their slogan is like where beginnings begin, which is a horrible slogan. I don't know if you saw that when she was looking through no. the brochure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like where beginnings begin, which is atrocious. <laughs> like, that um, was pretty rough. And then there's like a big poster on the wall right next to Cass, right behind Cass that says something about like your future starts here or something. Yeah. Um, and I really, really liked that because college is a place where a lot of people find themselves and like their beginnings do begin in college but like for nina it's where things ended um and for so many women in the real world when they're sexually assaulted in college like they had this bright future ahead of them and like for so many different reasons like they no longer have that future i just really liked the the foil there that we see yeah. of um it being marketed as a place where like oh this is for beginnings and fresh starts but then the system in place actually doesn't provide those like safe beginnings that's where a lot of people's stories end no no they get a beginning every single day because they got so blackout drunk they forgot everything that happened before <laughs> yeah every yeah. new week when we have two or three sexual assault cases reported to us it's a Yippee. you know it's a new beginning every <laughs> week every week of something tragic. which is nuts that she admits that because it's yeah. like yeah you're having you're having one or two sexual assault claims a week and you're presumably having done nothing about this like that is a huge red flag like because clearly she's dismissing them as being false reports because they're future you know? doctors big t yeah, exactly. it's so we important can't ruin, we can't ruin their lives peds it's respectable anyway, peds gallant or gallant <laughs> not gallant i don't know what the detective said he said something like noble or something like that to, yeah yeah so i don't know i just love this movie i feel like the more you watch it the more you can pull from it and I'm really, really happy that you liked it because it's so good. I thought I was going to hate it in the first five minutes. I really thought yeah, I was going to hate so, it. <laughs> and then I ended I'm up... I'm so happy. I, um, what did I say? I the, the movie finished and I was all alone in my house and I got up from the couch and I was just like, good pick, Big T. Like I said it out loud. <laughs> like, that makes me so happy. Good pick. <laughs> and you know what? Great, great pick. Not just good pick, great pick. Like I'm... I'm happy to own this film and I'll watch it again. Like for sure. Nice. If I, you know, if I watched, you know, cable and which no one does anymore except for the old people, but what's cable? Oh, uh, the, the, I'm young. I'm hip. That one bad guy in Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, an X-Men or something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, but if it was just on out of nowhere, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of the movie for sure. Every time. Nice. Um, what the host? What the? 
Sorry, I just saw it. That's funny. Well, I'm on like IMDb and I have the the director slash writer Emerald Fennel and um or Fennel. And then it says known for one of the things is promising young woman. But like in subtitles, it's host of blowjob lips makeup video. <laughs> so I think that was that was her cameo, <laughs> was I guess. Her. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. That's so funny though. Is it a hold on, a quick question. Is was it a part of the because the person in the video didn't have that, didn't have that um, smear. Is was that was that that's intentional, right? Because it it mimics that the blowjob's already been given. I don't know. This is no, horrible. no. I think <laughs> I think she, I think she. It's to make her look like she's really drunk and like out of her mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I made an assumption it was bad. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that that was. Uh, I thought that that was funny. Uh, that was I was like Which in the we middle. could talk. Yeah, we could go down another rabbit hole about like the fact that there's something called blowjob blowjob lips. lips. Like I couldn't believe. It. Yeah, but. I was writing something down, and then I hear like blowjob lips. So I'm like, what the? What are we watching? What's going on right now? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, that yeah. goes back to that one douchebag who's like, why do women wear makeup for men? And it's like, who said they're wearing it for you? You know. There you go. But hey. I mean, phenomenal acting on everyone's part, really. I yeah. across the board, Mr. Krabs did a great job, because um, that's the dad. He's Mr. Krabs in, in the in Spongebob. Yeah. Um, I feel like he was in something else, and I remember saying like something about he, oh, he's he, Mr. he Krabs. was in what was it? I was trying to figure out what movie he was in. Yeah, that we had watched. What was it? Um, I thought that it was the Truman Show, but I don't think it is. I don't oh, think no. he's a friend. I know exactly what it is. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's what it is. He was the police officer that. That's right. Beat that's right. I remember he was like something like really dark. Yeah. And he grim. killed a man. Um, yeah. And then cut to this movie. And he's like the sweetest dad ever. Yeah. So look at that range. Look at that range. I mean, just a few lines, but hey, look at that range. He, uh, yeah, great job on uh, uh, specifically Carrie Mulligan. Holy smokes. Like one of the greatest performances that we've seen probably across all of the films. Like, I don't know. It's, oh, it's, I'm so glad that you liked it so much. It's way up there. Um, and then Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, that's she was. Yeah, her character is actually really grounded, which usually doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, especially a, a a big, like a big hand to Emerald Fennel Fennel. She holy smokes! Like like if uh, just looking at her like like directing and like her filmography like she's mainly an actress and this is like her yeah first, this is her it. first like feature like written and directed film she did a short before that and this is like how do you just come That's out of the phenomenal. gates with this this yeah. is insane so now apparently an upcoming film of hers is Saltburn. i'll be i'll be watching that in theaters probably <laughs> so nice there you go and that's why that's I don't know if I would be as interested in watching the Barbie movie, but the fact that it's made by the same person that did yeah. I haven't watched Lady Bird, but um Little Women. Lady Bird's good. I've heard it's yeah. good. It won awards, a lot of awards, I think. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good. Okay. So so I mean that's I'm definitely gonna be watching that film too. Um anyway. Oh, I guess she she was a writer for Killing Eve, which I know a lot of people yeah, like. That's right. Yeah. I've never seen it though. Or I've seen some of it, but not I don't really know a lot about it. Anyway, good job. Big T, you don't have any more notes? Nope. I'm all noted out. Well, big news, Big T. Guess what? What? The conversation was so riveting, I didn't write a single thing for layers of favorites. (laughs) So I don't have anything. I'm going to try to come up with three on the spot. 
Are you ready for Layers of Favorites, Big T? I'm ready. This is, of course, our final segment where I do some quick this or that questions, usually pre-prepared, but we're going to do it on the fly right now uh, for Big T to answer, and he's going he's gonna to give... He's gonna give his answer, and I'm gonna have to cut the crap out of this because I'm gonna. There's gonna be. I gotta come up with stuff right now. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay, kind of going off of your spit in the coffee thing. Big T, would you rather drink spat in coffee or drink coffee that was made from the coffee grinds of someone who sat with their naked butts? Because Gail says that in the coffee grinds. Coffee grounds? Coffee grinds. I don't know. I don't drink coffee. Coffee grounds. Coffee grounds? Do I know that the person's ass was in the coffee grounds? Yes. You know both. You saw it. Oh, maybe the spit? I don't know. Really? It depends on whose ass. That's true. Like, you know that they had sex on those coffee grounds. Yeah, that's the thing is like, that's a whole nother bodily fluid in your coffee that you want to deal with. Sweat. Oh, it's got to be the coffee or the yeah. sorry the spit. Okay. Pff, uh, <laughs> Jerry or Paul? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jerry! Just because Paul wears a fedora. Oh, really? That was really a killer for you. Yeah, that outfit is atrocious. Okay. Uh, f- final one. I don't know. Joe or Schmidt? <laughs> Schmidt. Yeah, I know, 100%. Although, you could arguably say... They're the same. They're the, well, besides... Yeah, besides... Uh, who knows? Maybe there's some dark stuff about Schmidt, you know? <laughs> he is a Republican. That we... <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's not dark. <laughs> um, Depends on how you ask. Yes, I, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, Okay, thanks for playing Layers of Favorites. Sorry that it was so <laughs> underprepared. <laughs> I got nothing else for you. And I also, I I'm pretty sure I know what film we're going to watch. Um, here's, here's, well, okay, actually, first, before I before I announce, because this was the final film, great pick again, Big T, for season yes. two. Two seasons. We did it. Two full, two full years. We did it, Joe. We did it. Um, two seasons of Layers of Film. Thanks so much for being a part of the journey. Thanks so much for the growth. Actually, yeah, I think I, there wasn't really much growth in season one, but season two, we got we got some stuff going on, which I'm really excited um, about. And so season three, we'll see we'll see where this takes us. But um, <clears throat> seeing as this is the final film, what we did for season one at the end is we did a special episode where we ranked all of that season's movies that we watched from. Uh, 12 to 1, right? And I think it's season 1, Godfather 1 for us, uh, clearly. That movie was so good. Um, I don't think that I want to do an overall ranking because I feel like that's just going to take too long. So we're going to not do that. We'll just do season, <laughs> season by season. To season. Yep. And then on our 13th season, or on the 12th season, we'll just rank our top 12 Okay. From yeah, each yeah, season. Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? But we're going to do, yeah, we're going to do another special episode. We're going to rank all of the uh, movies that we covered in this past season. And that will be, I, I don't I don't know what day that's going to come out, but just expect that to be dropped also in the month of August, along with this episode. This episode will come out when you're listening to it right now, but, <laughs> but Surprise. Yeah, whoa, how did you not know? But, um, 
the special episode will come at some point whenever we record it and 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 I edit it and get it out there. There's not going to be a structure to that one. Um, but the film, with that out of the way, the film that we're going to cover, I was kind of I was kind of flip flopping between a few things, and I I just didn't pick anything really. I kind of liked the idea of let's just let's cover a movie that's in the theaters. Let's cover Oppenheimer, but. I feel like that's kind of like if someone's actually like really trying to watch the movies with us, um, I can't really force someone to just like go spend money <laughs> and watch the mm-hmm. film. So at least that much money. That's kind of that's a big ask. So maybe in the spirit of just Christopher Nolan, let's cover our first Christopher Nolan film. I want to watch Interstellar because I'm looking okay. I'm looking for an excuse to own that film. I don't own it. So <laughs> I'm looking for an excuse to own it. I think we're going to cover Interstellar, PG-13, Christopher Nolan. Um, Set aside three days of your life to watch it. Dude, it's so good. But it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It could it could be my favorite Christopher Nolan film. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe The Prestige. I don't know. It's kind of hard. I love Christopher Nolan. Tenet films. was good. Tenet's good, but it's. I've said it before, maybe on this show or maybe off, but every time I... Um, when people are like talking about Tenet, the way that I describe it, it's it's the only movie that you only understand when you're not watching it. <laughs> yeah, the more you like look at it, the less yeah. it makes sense. It's like I can't work how because it doesn't give you any time to process anything. It's just yeah, it just moves. It sends me into like a psychosis because like <laughs> yeah. I just like you can't stop thinking about how it works. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense while you're watching. But when you but when you're not watching, it's like okay, reverse time. They parallel with each other. Like okay, I get it. Uh, yeah. they intersect at some point. Uh, but then when you're watching, it's like, but I don't get it. Right? Um, it is a good film, though. I own that one because I was just, yeah, that's I was good. hungry to own it. Um, but yeah, Interstellar. Cool. That that episode will be coming out September fourth. So get ready again. Special episode before that where we do the rankings. If you want to write into the show um, and give your rankings, go for it. That would be sweet. Um, of, of all the movies that we covered this past year. And, of course, just a reminder, when we're ranking our movies, and I'll say it when we uh, do the episode as well, it's we're making our rankings not just based off of how we enjoyed the movie, but also, at least I like to rank it, based off of that along with our discussion on the film as well. Did I, like, how did the discussion, because ready or not, no, not ready or not, there was something, yeah, I think actually it was ready or not, I liked it, but I wasn't really sure about it or whatever. And then the more we discussed it over the podcast, I was like, you know what? This is a brilliant film. And so I convinced you. And so, like, I th- I think it's it's a good idea to put that in the mix of you know how yeah. how the discussion maybe influenced the way that you looked at, at this film afterwards. So there's that as well. Uh, yeah, September fourth, Interstellar. Thanks again for listening. Share the good word. Layers of fa- film, not favorites. <laughs> Layers of film. We love you. We care about you. Have a great month. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. Bye-bye. See ya.